Support comes from Clipper Vacations, offering getaways on the Clipper Fast Ferry to Victoria, B.C. Clipper Ferry and hotel packages from $250 per person. Enjoy historic charm, afternoon tea, and more. Terms and conditions apply. Details and booking at clippervacations.com. This is Soundside. I'm Libby Denkman. Two owls enter, one owl leaves. It's the premise of a scene from a hypothetical owl-focused Mad Max movie. It's also the goal of a new U.S. Fish and Wildlife program to try to save the northern spotted owl by reducing the population of their competitors, barred owls. To do it, they're planning to shoot tens of thousands of barred owls. Linda Mapes reported on the proposed plan. She's a Seattle Times reporter specializing in coverage of the environment, natural history, and Native American tribes. And she joins me now. Hi, Linda. Thank you very much for being here. Good morning. It's a pleasure. Listeners will likely recognize the northern spotted owl as kind of that emblematic Endangered Species Act animal here in Washington state. You write about how it was at the center of the timber wars during the Clinton administration when environmentalists battled loggers over forest habitat. And in 1994, a federal judge approved a landmark plan to save 24 million acres of federal old growth forest where the spotted owl lives. After all that, Linda, how are spotted owls doing today? In a word, terribly. Uh, This is quite ironic. I mean, the truth of the ESA, the Endangered Species Act, is that sometimes, even when heroic efforts are made to save a species, the animal or the plant continues to decline because threats continue to multiply. The Endangered Species Act turns 50 this year. It it has been incredibly successful in recovering 99% of the species that uh, were petitioned for listing. It has been a very effective lifesaver. However, in the case of the spotted owl, it has not been enough. And the reason for that is this problem is now way beyond habitat. What's happened to the owl is it is now facing a devastating competitor. The barred owl, native to the East Coast, managed to make its way all the way out here because of our human cause changes in the landscape. And so this owl is now uh, being outcompeted everywhere it is trying to survive by an invasive species. And at first glance, barred owls and spotted owls seem somewhat similar, but they do have these key differences that have made barred owls much more successful since they arrived in the 70s. Can you break down the differences and why barred owls are out competing? Boy, in terms of biology, you name it, this owl has got it. It's bigger. It uh, bears young more often and more of them. But here's the really key thing. It eats anything that moves. Anything. The spotted owl is not a generalist. It really eats small mammals of the old growth forest canopy. Voles, mice, wood rats. Boy, not the barred owl. It'll eat anything, even slugs. And this is one of the reasons this owl is such a devastating competitor for the spotted owl. It's also very aggressive in its behavior, very territorial in its behavior. I talked to biologists who have worked with both of these owls, and they describe how when they make calls for a spotted owl, you know, this demure, quiet, sleepy, sweet little owl actually even fall asleep in their lap as they band them. I could not believe that. The the description of the owl falling asleep in a researcher's lap that you include in your piece, I was I was blown away. 
I know, me too. And I've heard this time and again from experts who work with these owls. They're not afraid of people. Uh, they're, they're just very peaceful little little beings. But man, not the barred owl. You call for one of them and they came ranging out of the forest to, you know, take on whatever it is that's competing in their territory. So, you know, whether you're talking behavior, diet, how often they breed, uh, their size, you name it, the barred owl's got it. And the spotted owl isn't free fall. So U.S. Fish and Wildlife has concluded that these barred owls have got to go. What's the proposed plan here, Linda? Well, I got to say, it's uh, it's pretty wild. Uh, you don't read a lot of these sorts of plans. It, it really calls for eliminating, believe it or not, hold on to your hat, uh, half a million barred owls, 500,000 barred owls over the next 30 years. And by, by the way, that's just a fraction of their population. Um, in the territory of the northern spotted owl. And they've got two goals in doing this. One is to give the spotted owl a little bit of breathing space, try to take pressure off in some key areas, and then also to try to fend off further invasion in the territory of the California spotted owl. So that's a lot of birds. Uh, The tool of choice is a, a shotgun. And, you know, the idea to opponents of a lot of people out there in the woods firing away on on spotted owls. They've got a lot of ethical questions. They've got a lot of practicality questions. There's the question of, man, do you really want to step into what would probably be a forever kill program? But in talking to the biologists who are deeply familiar with this, um, you know, they, they really see it as just absolutely essential. But if they don't act now and and keep at it assiduously, the, the spotted owl is going to be just gone extinct because they will not be able to compete against the barred owl. And it's for two reasons. I mean, one is we we overlogged and we destroyed the habitat of the spotted owl and their numbers were greatly depleted. And so here you have an already vulnerable animal being pushed out by a much more, by really a devastating competitor. So it's a combination of what we did and then who's taking advantage of the new situation. Yeah, you point out it's not the barred owl's fault. I mean, the changes that white settlers, uh, you know, many years ago and through today, modern day society has made to the ecosystem is really the reason the barred owl is able to take advantage and and be so successful and continue to push the spotted owl to the brink of extinction. So, Linda, if this proposal clears, we're talking about deputizing people to go out and shoot these barred owls, an estimated 20,000 Owls would need to be culled in the first year. Overall, as you said, 500,000 over a 30-year plan. Kind of is mind-boggling. Who would be doing this shooting and how would it work? Right. So it's not quite as Wild West as it might sound. Uh, In talking with U.S. Fish and Wildlife experts, the way they envision this is any landowner, including a private landowner, but an agency, a tribe, a land manager could approach the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and uh, seek to work under the agency's permit and according to its rules, its protocols, um, to take out barred owls on their property. So it's not like Anybody just like goes out of the house and starts blasting away their protocols. There's there's a permit required. There's there's an oversight by the agency. But uh, what is different about this, and you're quite right about it, is it isn't just agency staff who will be doing this work. It, it will very likely be a broad range of entities out there doing this work. And, you know, you can kind of see why we're talking about a vast area, hundreds of uh, thousands, millions of acres 
talking about a lot of birds. Uh, if this goes forward, this is uh, just a gigantic program. There's no two ways about it. Cost? I asked about cost. Uh, what I was told is it really depends. It depends on the area. It depends on how difficult the terrain is. You know, it's not it's not a cookie cutter situation. So it will be interesting to see what the cost begins to look like per owl. Um, you know, but, but by the way, think about the cost of extinction. It's forever. Yeah. The spotted owl is uniquely adapted to its place. It's been there you know, since the ice melted, uh, we created this situation. If you want to talk about the ethics, I think that's where you have to stand. People started this. Uh, do people now need to take a step to try to intervene? And, you know, we have done this before. It's, it's not unusual to see programs in this day and age by agencies to um, take out one species in order to support another. The U.S. Army Corps of Engineers for years targeted cormorants, a native protected bird on the Columbia River because the cormorants were gobbling up protected baby salmon. Well, those those cormorants today have uh, been routed from Sand Island, an island created by dredge foil piled up by the Corps of Engineers. And those birds today are taking up their roost on the Megler Bridge to Astoria, creating yet other problems. So you know, um, you, you see these sorts of situations where we intervene in situations we created and sometimes have, um, you know, really not the outcome that we had hoped for in all the wrong places, right? I mean, wildlife getting displaced, um, animals moving into places they never were before. We're going to see more and more of this with climate warming and with human pressure on the populations of these species. Linda, to be clear, is the end goal and total eradication of barred owls? Or is there a specific population threshold that U.S. Fish and Wildlife is aiming for? It's absolutely the latter. Uh, for one thing, it would be impossible to eliminate all the barred owls. They're just too many. I mean, this region is plastered with them. So that's point number one. Point number two is really it's kind of modest what they're planning to do. There was 60 percent or so of the barred owl population would still abide in the West. So it, it is not an annihilation program. It is basically a pushback. The idea is to try to create space for the spotted owl to persist. They did some pilot work over years where they did exactly this. They, they went and they, you know, targeted areas where they knocked back the population of barred owls and the spotted owl held steady. It did not you know, suddenly release into a much bigger population, but neither did it nosedive, as did the continue to nosedive the control population. So they have science behind this. They have reason to think it could work. Were those big enough experiments? Were the territories they examined big enough? Is is that, you know, really definitive? Well, if this goes forward, I guess we'll find out. Yeah. You know, some of the critics of this include Eric Forsman, who was He's now retired from the U.S. Forest Service. His work was foundational to the Northwest Forest Plan. You know, he knows more about spotted owls than just about anybody. I, I saw in him, as we talked about this, a deep grief, a sense that it's really too late, that this is a fool's errand. You can, can't possibly get them all, no matter what you do and how much you spend. The barred owls here, the barred owls going to win, and he sees the spotted owls going extinct. And I think particularly for people such as such as he, for people like Jerry Franklin, who was another architect of the Northwest Forest Plan from the tree side of the operation. This is a very hard moment. You know, people really did a big lift, uh, not only for this animal, but others. But here we are. Yeah. And it is, you can't say anything about it, but that it's terribly sad. I mean, who, know, who wants to be out there 
shooting a bunch of otherwise protected birds. It's really striking to me that Eric Forsman, again, an architect of the protection plan for the spotted owl, one of the leading experts of spotted owls, is saying this isn't going to work and the spotted owl are going away. I mean, the grief that you describe is very poignant, very sad. Um, Is there anything else here, Linda, that people should know? Uh, You mentioned that there's going to be a public comment period. How does this plan ultimately get approved? And what's the timeline for if it is going forward, you would start to see people being able to to go out and, and shoot these barred owls? Early as spring of 2025. So that in the world of federal agencies, you know, that's that's quick. So it, this is right in front of people right here, right now. It's time to get involved and pay attention and have your say. I will uh, point out that even people such as Bob Salinger, 30-year activist with Portland Audubon, dire opponent of the kill program on the cormorants, you know, he he's really struggling with this. You know, when I talked to him, it, he was not up in arms about this. He, he did not come out against this plan. He said he's still thinking about it, that it's, you know, it's really a tough one for bird lovers. There's another really key point about this, which is, you know, some people might be thinking, ah, well, you know, the barred owl can just take the place of the spotted owl and it'll all be fine. No, this is a, this is a predator that risks the lives, not only at this point of the spotted owl, but all the things that it eats. I mean, it's, it is a, a new predator and it is just vacuuming the woods. So if you care about salamanders, if you care about other birds, including um, other types of owls, if you care about the native ecosystem of these ancient forests, you need to be paying attention to the barred owl because it is uh, wiping out and threatening not only the spotted owl, but everything it eats. I mean, the barred owl is, it's about more than the spotted owl. It's about the integrity of of the entire suite of life of these ancient forests. Linda Mapes, we are so lucky here in the Pacific Northwest to get to benefit from your reporting on the environment at the Seattle Times. And I'm always just in awe when I get to speak with you or when I see you speak. Thank you very much for describing what's happening here with this plan to try to support the spotted owls by taking out the barred owls. And we will continue to follow your reporting as we see whether the plan gets approved uh, with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife. Thank you, Linda. Glad to help. Thanks for listening to SoundSide. By the way, this show is only possible because listeners support us. If you are able to give right now, check out the show notes for a link to donate. And don't forget, you can listen live on KUOW 94.9 FM Seattle at noon and 8 p.m. Monday through Thursday or anytime online at KUOW.org. Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance, the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. A story of moral panic, grassroots activism, and an unstoppable music community that fought for its freedom. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network.